You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. The most important thing in our life is not how much money we have, but that God is pleased with our decisions. I have made many decisions over the years on my journey with the Lord some of which benefited me financially and most of which did not. And uh, I want to be honest with you, there were times that we had to make decisions for the Lord that we knew it would cost us financially. And I'm going to tell you something, it was worth every penny that we lost or every penny that we did not gain. Have you ever felt like you've lost your passion for what God is doing? Has your walk with the Lord been lacking lately? Today on True North, Pastor Gary points out some of the things that keeps the Lord from bringing revival in your communities and your life. You'll learn that your perspective on money can impact your faith. Pastor Gary shares that when money is the driving force of your life, you don't leave room for what God wants to do. Then you'll miss out on the blessings that come with serving Him. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, as he begins his message, Revival Fires. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And watch this next phrase. And the people answered him, not a word. It's interesting to me how funny people can be. They feel like that if they do not take sides then they are out of the controversy or the conflict. But to be silent is to cast your vote in the wrong direction. Amen. There is no middle ground. There is no neutral ground between God or Satan, between self or the Savior. It's either one or the other. You can't have both. And to be silent on that issue, some people say, well, I'm just not going to make a choice right now. You've already made your choice. You've made, you've made a choice. If you haven't made a choice yet, you've made a choice not to follow Christ until further notice. Amen. There is no neutral ground. And these people, because they did not answer a single word, were cowardice. They were timid. They were afraid. And they had their mind made up. And they, I think maybe they were, uh, they were under conviction what can you say? Amen. Because here was a man of God that had God all over him and spoke the truth and it defied, uh, defied all of these people that were worshiping false gods. And he said, look, how long are you going to be halted between these two opinions? Make up your mind. Choose you who you're going to serve, in other words. We're drawing a line in the sand. And so you know the rest of the story. Uh, you know, he challenged them. Of course, God answered by fire to Elijah's prayer. And, and I'm interested in this text because I see several things that reveal to us uh, why I believe that revival fires are gone in many of our churches today. I'm going to kind of draw some spiritual principles out of this Old Testament text that I think will give us uh, application for the New Testament church. Okay? And so I want you to be thinking about the word fire here. Uh, because anytime God moves, you know, God likens himself unto fire. He said, he said he's an all-consuming fire. Uh, when God gets involved in your life, he consumes everything. Uh, 
Your whole life should be consumed by God's presence and God's will for your life. There is nothing left that does not belong to Him if you're truly His. So, and I want to think, while we're talking about the subject of fire, I want you to think about different things that fire does. Now, there are more than my list, obviously, but I've narrowed it down to about four things that I want you to think about as it relates to fire and how that can be applicable to revival and what revival fire should do for a church and for a nation. The first thing the fire does is it purifies. You put heat to a metal and the heat rises hot enough, it will draw out the impurities of that metal. Gold is uh, put through the refiner's fire, and they tell me that uh, in the refiner's fire, when you'll know that the gold is pure when you can start seeing your reflection in the, in the, on the surface of that pot of gold. Uh, but meanwhile, they tell me that the impurities of that metal will rise to the top, and they'll take something and scrape the impurities off the top of that pot of gold until it becomes purified. And so fire purifies. And so it is when God begins to uh, send forth a revival fire into our lives, it ought to purify us as believers in Christ. It ought to cause us to uh, find ourselves in an altar of repentance on a regular basis and be quick to repent of uh, sins in our life and confess our sins to the Lord, get them under the blood and tur- turn from them and move past them and get victory over them. And that's, uh, uh, that's missing in a lot of our churches today. A lot of people today just live loosely, you know, and assume the grace of God. Too liberally, I, I should say. You know, God didn't give us grace so that we could have a license to do whatever we want to do and still be okay. He gave us grace because that was the only thing that could save us. Amen. <laughs> uh, but grace was not a license to sin, so we do not abuse the grace of God. Amen. But some people do. And so I believe when true revival hits the church, there will be the purification process where people will get right with God and confess sins and, and uh, draw closer to Christ. Another thing fire does is it consumes, and we've already touched on that a little bit. I believe that implies for us that, uh, you know, since He is the fire, and uh, we are His body, amen, we are to be living sacrifices, the New Testament tells us, that God is interested in consuming every facet of our life. He wants to be Lord over all in our lives, amen. And so God is not interested in living in just one little corner of the house while we occupy the rest of the house. He wants to be the owner and the occupant of every room in your house. And if you do not let him do that, then there's some room for growth. Amen. Uh, So fire consumes. Fire also shines. This is the light element of fire. And anytime God begins to work in your life, uh, you shine brighter. Your testimony is brighter. It's more meaningful. It's more noticeable in this dark world. And what happens when revival hits a community, hits a church, or hits an individual is all of a sudden people start noticing them because they're more verbal about Christ. They're, they're more prone to ser- do things like a servant would do for somebody. And they don't, they don't have to be paid or coerced to do it. They're just shining for Jesus. Amen. Why is that? Because the fire of God is existent in their lives. And then fire spreads. And this is one of the most important things. If revival really breaks out in a church, it ought not to just stay on the front pew or the back pew or the middle pew. It ought to spread throughout the church and ought to go home with us and set our community on fire for God. Amen. And so those are some things that I want you to think about as we talk about revival, fires, 
and what it means to us. Now look with me at verses, verse 26. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it and called, and now this is the prophets of Baal, obviously, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar, which was made. I, I could read on, but I, and I will in a minute. But the first point I want to give you as to why revival fires are gone in the land today uh, in many places uh, is revival fires are gone when there is misplaced trust. When there is misplaced trust. Uh, verse 27, it, it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is taking, he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awake. And so it, it proves to us one thing is that they have misplaced their trust by trying to serve a false God. Okay? Now, uh, we know that revival fires are stifled in whenever we misplace our trust, when we begin to allow idols to creep up in our lives that take the place of Jesus in, in terms of priority and, th and things of that nature. How could that be applicable to us? Well, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, and I will show you a verse. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, listen to this verse. It says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the word mammon literally means money. You cannot serve God and money. It's interesting to me that uh, there's a lot the Bible says about money. The Bible says that money, the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And, and money can be a funny thing. It can be such a, an enticement to us. It can, you know, it can be a very powerful tool or it could be, it could be uh, your detriment, depending upon whether you control it or whether you allow it to control you. And that's the difference. Uh, and, and the Lord said you cannot serve God and mammon. He didn't say you cannot serve God and have money. He said you just can't serve God and money. So you can have all the money in the world if you want to as long as you're not serving the money instead of God. In other words, you're not living for the money. The, you, your last breath is not going to be breathed worrying about what you should have done with your money. You don't make your decisions every day uh, and you don't base your core values every day based upon whether or not it's going to fatten your pocketbook. You know, see what I'm saying? So Jesus is just teaching us a very simple principle. You know, the God of this world sets up things for us to be enticed with and for us to be ruled by one of which is money. It's a big lure for a lot of people to get trapped in this. Uh, but materialism can easily become an idol in our lives if we're not careful. We'll find ourselves doing things for money that we would not do for Jesus. And at that point, my friend, we have set up an idol in our lives. And so I want you to think about that. Uh, I've, I've known churches who had sixty, eighty to hundred thousand dollars stashed away in a CD or a bank account, uh, doing nothing whatsoever with it, but just letting it sit there and draw interest. They'd have missionaries come by needing support, but they they can't touch that money because it's got to grow. Now I got one question for you: Is the church supposed to be a bank? Or a ministry, amen. And so, I mean, it's different if it's a functional, uh, uh, you know, account that you're using and you're replacing as you go, kind of like what we do. But to just have some money sitting there and just to draw interest to me is kind of foolish because at that point the church got to where they're serving money instead of serving God. For what point? 
Amen. I'm just thinking about how that applies to us individually. Uh, we've got to just set our priorities right. Make sure that the most important thing in our life is not how much money we have, but that God is pleased with our decisions. I have made many decisions over the years on my journey with the Lord, some of which benefited me financially and most of which did not. And I want to be honest with you, there were times that we had to make decisions for the Lord that we knew it would cost us financially. And I want to tell you something. It was worth every penny that we lost or every penny that we did not gain. Because I'm going to tell you what's more important uh, at the end of life is whether you live for God and the truth or whether you serve the almighty dollar, uh, you, you, you won't want your children to be able to look at you on your deathbed and know that you serve God, not money. Amen? You know, I, I, could, I have the potential. I could go back to college. I could quit the ministry. I could, pursue a, I could pursue a career. I could probably get any degree I wanted to. Uh, I feel like I've got the brains if I wanted to study. I could probably be a doctor if I wanted to commit myself to it. I don't know that, uh, but I would certainly be up for the challenge if that was my interest. But it's not my interest because God has called me to preach. Amen. And uh, and so I have had to make decisions over the years. My wife, as a matter of fact, had to, you know, we was in a position where she had to basically quit a full-time job as a teacher so that she could be at home with the kids while they were younger. And uh, did it hurt us financially? Yes, it did. But did it benefit us more spiritually than it hurt us financially? By far it did. I can look at my children today and I know they're not perfect and they're not angels and sometimes they grow horns and I know all that, but I thank God that they're who they are today because I know that the sacrifice that was paid for them to be, be who they are today was in direct proportion to the sacrifice that we made back yonder when it was tough. Amen. And so you've got to decide, you know, what's more important, money or relationships that God has entrusted you with. You know, and, and I encourage you young people, uh, you know, I, I always try to make it a priority to be in church. If, if I could, I would try to find me a job that would let me be at church when the church doors were open. If I had to work every Sunday, now I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I know some people have to work on Sundays. But, but if you can, I believe if you'll make it a priority, God will open a door where you can be at church at least most of the time. Amen. And still have what you need to make a living. Uh, I, I encourage you to make the Lord a priority in your life. And, and I, I know that the Lord ain't the same thing as church, but I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says, forsake not the sin we have yourselves together. And so we do have a responsibility to be faithful to the house of God. Amen. And so, uh, you know, materialism can be a God. Uh, I, I see families all the time, unfortunately, that uh, are split up over money. That's the biggest issue. That's the biggest agenda. I, it breaks my heart. I have a uh, Amy and I. We we got some kinfolk. I could call you their names. They're busted apart. Their families all over the place, all over the chart. They used to be in church together. They used to serve God together. They, they always had issues, but you know what split them up? The love of money. Now it's a divorce. Kids are uh, grown, but they're not making good decisions. Just uh, the home life's a wreck. All because of somebody that decided money was more important than their integrity and more important than making a decision that would honor God. Some things, and I may not get past this point tonight, and if I don't, that's fine. But some things ought to be worth more to us than money. 
your name ought to be worth more to you than a few bucks. Amen? Uh, it blows my mind that the things people will do to just get, get another dollar in their pocket at the expense of their own name and their integrity and their honor and their testimony. Amen? And so we, we've got to be sure that we're making good choices. You know, God's not just interested in your 10%. He's also interested in what you do with your 90%. That's a whole other lesson in and of itself right there. Uh, and we live and learn. We make mistakes. But hey, the biggest thing is make sure that when you make a mistake, you get it under the blood, repent of it, and don't make the same mistake again. Amen? Uh, try, to be, try to honor God and be, be a man of your word. If you owe a debt, pay the debt. Amen? Right? Uh, don't be stupid with your money uh, because it taints your testimony and you shut up the heavens and God can't bless you like He wants to because you're putting, putting the money before the principles of the Word of God that God has uh, required you to live by. And everything you do is important to God. Uh, and how you handle your money is important to God because it's a reflection of your motives and it's a reflection of who you are and what your interests are. You show me somebody's uh, check register and what money what they spend their money on, and I can pretty much tell you what their interests are. Amen. So uh, materialism is a big thing. Make sure that uh, it has its place in your life and that it's not an idol. It's just a means to an end. Right. Another thing is uh, the God of tradition. Go with me to Matthew chapter five and verse six. Uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter fifteen. Matthew chapter fifteen and verse six. Jesus is teaching the scribes and Pharisees something, and I love it. When Jesus is teaching the scribes and Pharisees a lesson because it's always just a, a bang. It's just like an in-your-face, you know what I'm saying, just a very uh, powerful, potent message. Uh, verse 3, Why do ye uh, also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me and honor not his father or his mother. He shall be free. In other words, you have set it up where there's a loophole in the law that you can get out of the death sentence. See what I'm saying? Uh, Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your traditions. Another thing that churches have done today is they have made their traditions more important to them than the Word of God, and it has, in essence, become an idol. And so the heavens are as brass. God does not speak anymore. The Spirit of God does not move anymore. It's just cold and stiff and stagnant and stale. Nothing's going on at the church house but just physical body movement. That's about it. Because traditions are more important than the Word of God. And God forbid that we ever get to that place as a church. Amen? Now, let's go on. i got to hurry. Go to Romans chapter 7 and verse 18. Romans Chapter 7, verse 18. This is another God that we got to watch out for is the God of self. You can set yourself up as an idol. If your personal agenda is more important to you than God's will for your life, then you have set yourself up as an idol. Look, look with me, Romans chapter 7, verse 18. For I know that in me, this is Paul speaking, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. How is that for your ego? 
Amen. I'm all for positive thinking. You know, the Bible even tells us that whatsoever things are lovely and pure and honest and good report, if there be, be any virtue and praise, think on these things. The Bible even encourages us to be positive in our thinking. But now there's one thing you've got to be careful of is not to put too much stock in this robe of flesh that you have to deal with and live in. Some people think too highly of themselves. And there's another verse that cautions us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but to think soberly. In other words, be wise and alert because at any moment this flesh will trick you. This flesh will deceive you. It will cause you to lust for something that does not belong to you. It will cause you to yearn for something that is off limits to a child of God. And so don't put too much stock in self because self can and will disappoint you from time to time. Amen? So uh, the God of self, you know, Psalm 20, verse 7, will not turn there, but it says some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of, our, of the Lord our God. So who are you trusting? Are you trusting in your ability to earn an income? Are you trusting in the traditions of the church? Are you trusting in your own personal ability? Or are you trusting in the God of heaven that can do anything above and beyond what you could ask or think according to His riches and glory? Depending upon where your trust is depends on whether or not you are eligible for revival fire to touch and to change your life. God says you've got to trust me. You cannot put other idols in your life. He said, I am God and my, besides me there is none other. Amen? It's kind of an uncomfortable message, but that's what revival ought to do. It ought to... Show us the mirror of the Word of God so that we can look at ourselves and behold ourselves and say, Woe is me, Lord. Get an old-fashioned altar of repentance and turn back to God. Amen? If we really want revival, then that's what we ought to do. So uh, let's see here. Go with me back to 1 Kings 18 now. So the first way you know that revival fires are quenched is when our... Trust has been misplaced. So make sure you're trusting in Jesus. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm bound and determined to have a faith-filled attitude of expectancy in spite of the government, amen, in spite of economics, in spite of what they're saying on the news. As a matter of fact, I've, I've just got to the point to where I'm on an as-need-to-know basis. If God thinks I need to know it, He'll tap me on the shoulder and tell me. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep my head in this book and listen for the trumpet and try to make a difference for the Lord while I'm here because there's a lot in this world that's going on right now that I'll just stress myself out over if I study it every day. So I've just got to fill my head with the hope of the Word of God. Amen. And, and we know that the promises of God are yea and amen. That means they're steadfast, they're unmovable. So no matter what this world does what kind of chaos is going on around us, we can be secure in God, amen, if we'll just live a faith-filled life and trust Him with our lives. So you just got to get to a point to where you're not trusting in Wall Street. You're not trusting the White House. You're not trusting your place of employment to get you through, to see you through. You're not even trusting your doctors and your lawyers. You're trusting in Jesus because if all else collapses, Jesus will still be standing, amen. So I'm just thankful that I have somebody that I can depend on and as long as we keep him <laughs> as long as we're looking to him we're going to be all right we're going to make it somehow or another we're going to make it because he's the one through whom all blessings flow so now number two another way that we know that revival fires are quenched or gone is when there are unacceptable sacrifices now look look with me at verse 28 of our text verse 28 of first kings 18 
And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. Interesting to me. They were cutting themselves and, and in a way, though they may not have gone through all the way to death, they were making themselves as a sacrifice to their false god. Which leads me to think, even if I had went to the cross to be crucified for my own sins because I was worthy of death, my sacrifice would still not have been good enough. You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. If you enjoyed today's message, we invite you to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to share these with your friends and family, too. This could be a great way to start a conversation about Christ and study the Word together. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like to request prayer, please get in touch with Pastor Gary by emailing contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. True North is a ministry of Gary Cottle Ministries. You can find out more by visiting our website, garycoddle.com. Would you like to come worship with Pastor Gary? Simply visit GaryCuddle.com for more details on where he pastors and how you can plan a visit. If you're not in the area, we still encourage you to find a local church body where you can learn from God's Word and spend time with other believers. It will be a place for you to grow in faith, find support, and serve in ways you are uniquely designed to. With that, our time with you has come to a close today. Join Pastor Gary next time for more right here on True North.